when this movie came out in 1951, I read that two movie critics or composers or directors went to the theater to see it, and after the introduction that you just listened to, one said to the other, film music will never be the same. I think this is the first complete jazz score for a movie. That's why when I uh, recorded it, I thought this is, this is the granddaddy of all modern scores. Bernard Harriman and other people, Tiomkin, did incredible, incredible scores, but not they weren't jazz. And this uh, 1951 was sort of the, the high point of bebop and jazz. It was like everywhere. Rock hadn't gotten a foothold yet until uh, Rock Around the Clock and uh, a couple other things. Of course, now we're used to listening to every kind of background rap, jazz, uh, retreads of late 60s and later rock stuff. Probably difficult for us to imagine the impact this had, but it really did. And it influenced, well, it changed the course of, of musical scores. And it also, I guess, launched the career or the image we have of the career of Marlon Brando. Uh, it starred Marlon Brando and Kim Hunter and Vivian Leigh and some other people, Carl Malden. But Brando really took off after this this animalistic, brutal character with, with no empathy or subtlety and whose driving force was the power of sex. And there's that very famous scene that's been made fun of many times uh, where he, he screams out like an animal. Hey, Stella! You know, it sounds like something you hear in a jungle, which is, I think, the whole point of it. Anyway, that's uh, Alex North, a streetcar named Desire. It's a movie that's so powerful and so tragic, I really can't stand to watch it too often. <laughs> so, welcome to podcast number 16. This is going to be, at the suggestion of a friend, movies that use jazz as a soundtrack That's does not include movies that specifically focus on jazz. I'm not going to include Pete Kelly's Blues or Bird, the story of Charlie Parker, or Low Down, or that really great score for Round Midnight, because those are made to to feature the music itself, and this will be more music as an enhancement of the movie. I mean, you can go out and buy this, or download mp3s of uh, of those those scores they're really great too but i want to make you aware of scores used as background music but are absolutely worth listening to independently to add a little more to this long introduction which i realize is long uh, i'm kind of long-winded sometimes but i have a lot to say i think the reason for the hiatus from the last podcast is my uh pursuit of getting something published in a magazine, an e-zine, and I've written a few stories and a lot of essays, and uh, it's really tedious and very time-consuming, and so I've been doing that for the last couple of weeks with modest success. So, out of the program. I counted the number of uh, downloads I did from Amazon Prime, and they come up to 14 scores, and 14 tracks totals about 55 minutes and with commentary we got an outrageous amount of time so what I'm going to do is three half hour shows number 16 this one and then number 17 and 18 and it'll go from one right into the next one without an introduction a big introduction for 17 and 18 
Now, how to follow a streetcar named Desire. That's a toughie. So what I'm going to do is play a couple of my very favorite soundtracks. And these are listed in no particular quality order. They're just my favorites. Everything, everything in these shows are favorites. And if they happen to coincide with what critically is considered great stuff, all the better, okay? And with that qualification in mind, one of my all-time favorite movies and definitely one of my favorite scores by one of my favorite composers is Body Heat from 1981. This was Kathleen Turner's first film. She's really great in it and really beautiful and sexy. And it was only uh, William Hurt's third film. When I was working as a Disney bartender way, way back, actually 80, 81, I think it was 81, when the movie came out, this uh, waiter used to come in after after he was finished, and I'd always give him a free beer, and we were the only, only two in the bar. And he said, hey, man, I saw a really great movie, uh, one of the best, mo the best movie I've seen in the last 10 years. What is it? Body Heat. So I went home. It was about 11, maybe 12 o'clock, and told my wife and said, let's go see a movie. And it was still showing, the final showing that night. We went and saw it, and man, it blew me away. Such a great movie. But what is really great is the score by John Barry. Thank you. 
a four minute cut really long, huh? Why would I do that? Because I really love that score. John Barry is such a great composer. Something I'm not doing in this uh, show that I've done in past composer shows is uh, give biographies of these guys. I want to focus just on the music. If you want to look them up, Wikipedia is at your disposal. Knock yourselves out. But I really, I really want to get to uh, get to the music. That, in addition to the fact that this is going to be a really long pair of shows, so to make things short and sweet and maybe more enjoyable, just the music, man, just the music. It happens that uh, one of my hobbies and uh, one of the joys of my reading and watching experience is the subject of Los Angeles. I don't mean Los Angeles now with the pimps and the, you know, the, the crime and stuff and the racial problems. The Los Angeles of the 40s, 50s, and 60s, which probably didn't even exist as I see it because I only know about it from reading and um, movies and noir stuff. But it's, it's a, such a, it's like an Atlantis that sunk beneath the waves of history and uh, is brought up in, uh, in, in myth. It's, 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 it's a mythological history. But man, it's so interesting. So with that said, my next uh, favorite score is from the movie Chinatown. Chinatown is about the water problem in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is made possible, well, by a couple things. The Santa Fe Railroad, which brought people from the Midwest mostly. But the city would never have existed if it weren't for water. Because it's basically a desert. It's got this supremely perfect Mediterranean climate. This little enclave of sunshine and, and fog. And with the addition of water, the perfect spot for growing oranges that grew as an industry that grew in just a few decades, the, the, the 20s and the 30s and the 40s, into the, the orange capital of the world probably, even probably bigger than Florida. And this was made possible by water. And in the movie Chinatown, which takes place in uh, the late 30s, I think, 35, 36, 37, which is just about 25 years after the fact, but as um, Martin Scorsese said, never let the truth get in the way of a good story, because uh, all this happened back in the teens by uh, w William Mulholland and his cohorts bringing water from the Owens River Valley 223 miles via aqueducts to Los Angeles. And I think that was in the, in the teens, and I read that 13 years later, Lake Owens, Owens Lake was just about emptied of water. The point of all this being that if it weren't for water and the canal and Mulholland and his uh, partners uh, doing what they did with the water, getting water to the Los Angeles area, there wouldn't be a Los Angeles. And that's true even today. I mean, it's like they freak out when there's a shortage of water, which there is. I mean, or Arizona, Nevada, and California are, you know, like always fighting over water. And this is the historical backdrop for the movie Chinatown. And the movie starred uh, Jack Nicholson, did a great job in it, and uh, John Huston and Faye Dunaway. There's a book called The Mirage Factory, which details uh, uh, the history of, of William Mulholland and D.W. Griffith and Amy Semple McPherson. And the part about... Uh, Mulholland is really fascinating. If you want to have a chance to pick it up, really good reading. And while we're on the subject, there's another book specifically about the making of Chinatown called The Big Goodbye, Chinatown and the Last Years of Hollywood. 
which is an interesting title, claiming that it was really maybe one of the last really great movies made in Hollywood. And I'd be willing to argue in favor of that point. The score is by Jerry Goldsmith. And interesting thing about that, uh, they, I can't remember who the original scorer was, but they didn't, uh, I guess Robert Evans, the, the producer, wasn't satisfied with him. And they, they looked for somebody else. And they found Jerry Goldsmith, who was at the height of his powers and fame. And uh, they gave Goldsmith this and said, hey, man, you got a, <laughs> you got like, I can't remember the exact amount of time, but something like a couple of weeks to write the score for this movie. And he did it. doesn't get any better than that, does it? I don't think it does. And it's jazz. And Jerry Goldsmith wasn't a jazz musician, but he sure had a, a, a taste for it and a knack for writing this type of score. Let's see, who's next on Mike's favorites list? I know. Taxi Driver. Great score. <laughs> They're all great scores, right? This was uh, Bernard Harriman's last score. Uh, in fact, there's a little... Uh, uh, epitaph for him at the end of the movie it's so beautiful again he was not known for jazz I mean he wrote things like uh, you know for uh, like North by Northwest and uh, his first movie way back in 1941 Citizen Kane directed by Orson Welles and let's see Psycho Psycho he wrote the music for that and The Day the Earth Stood Still with one of the stranger instruments the theremin How did a guy who wrote that write this? 
1976 Taxi Driver. Really fantastic movie. Another one of my favorite movies as well as scores. It starred uh, Robert De Niro and an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous Sybil Shepard. And I think it was Jodie Foster's first movie too. Anyway, five minute cut there, but I, I couldn't cut. I'd, I'd like to put in more of that score. But there are time limitations despite the fact that I usually ignore them. Nice stuff is straight jazz, but it is from a film score, a Touch of Evil. And I'd, I've seen Touch of Evil a couple of times, but I didn't realize, <laughs> this is how alert I am, that Henry Mancini wrote the score for it. It's really, really nice. Let's listen to a little more of this, and then I'll play the main theme from uh, Touch of Evil. Uh, you can really tell it's Mancini. I, don't ask me how I can tell, but I've heard enough Mancini, you, you can tell it. You probably can too. And this will wrap it up. Let's see, okay, I'll do the, the closing bit here. If you have any comments, which I hope you do, tell me you like it or tell me you don't like it or, you know, don't be, don't be too cruel, but, you know, use your, uh, your best benevolent judgment, okay? So my Gmail is, where you can reach me, is gcarter1, mwc, at gmail.com. And I will see you for numbers, uh, number 17. Okay, thanks. Thanks.